This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast. Today is Wednesday, October 28th. I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today. We're back with a first-run interview today featuring Marcus Mora, someone whom I've always deemed to be one of the smart guys in the franchise development space, not because he's an MBA, but rather because of his street smarts. Marcus is often an early adopter to things that later proved to be disruptive. And speaking of disruptive, did any of you catch his LinkedIn post last week? He posted up a picture of himself as a teenager talking about how he had been expelled from middle school not once, but twice back in the day. Well, to me, that suggests a completely different kind of disruption, one that we'll save for another day. Today, though, we'll be joined by the Marcus that I know, the affable, smart recipient of the 2020 Two Comma Club C Award, given by ClickFunnels co-founder Russell Brunson for grossing over $100 million. Marcus Mora joins us to talk about targeting your ideal audience. But first, a quick revenue break. Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors. We are all familiar with Vistage, YPO, and EO. Well, now comes Zor Forum, a somewhat similar type of executive group, but this one comes with a twist. Zor Forum groups are exclusively for franchisors. Imagine a peer group for sharing and networking on a platform built exclusively for franchise executives. Zor Forum members are afforded unparalleled access to best practices and some of the brightest minds within the franchising world through regular meetings and a dedicated communications platform. In this post-COVID world, a franchise-specific mastermind or peer group is an endeavor worth making time for. Zor Forum groups of 6 to 10 will bring leaders together that are in similar situations, but with exclusivity in terms of their competitive sets, so that each can openly help others benefit from their respective knowledge, perspective, and experience with no fear of competitive loss. Network, learn, strategize, and remain motivated along your journey. Join a peer group, not just any peer group. Join the only one designed for emerging franchisors. Join Zor Forum. Learn more at zorforum.org. That's www.zorforum.org. Marcos Mora is the co-founder and chief development officer of Amada Senior Care. Since 2007, Amada has helped seniors and their families as one of the only senior care companies in North America to provide in-home non-medical care, as well as assisted living placement consulting services. Ranked number 245 in Entrepreneur's Franchise 500 and as a top 10 best new franchise to invest in, Amada also makes Inc. Magazine's list of the 5,000 fastest-growing companies in America. As Chief Development Officer at Amada, Marcus has helped hundreds of entrepreneurs start senior care businesses, empowering them to live life on their terms and to do work that's meaningful to them, to their families, and to their communities. Collectively, they are Amada, a brand dedicated to enriching the lives of America's rapidly aging population. 
Marcus Mora, welcome to Franchise Today. Dan, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. We've known each other for quite some time, and we've kind of had many conversations over the course of years about some of those things that you've done with innovation and disruption. I think you're a disruptor. I think you're a good kind of a disruptor. But you were doing things back in the day that everybody's on the bandwagon now, but you were one of a handful of people that I could count on three or four fingers that had early adapter knowledge to the things that you've done digitally. And I congratulate you for that. Well, I appreciate that. And, and you know, when we had, I don't know, 10 franchise partners in Amada Senior Care, you're one of these luminaries in the franchise industry that would always answer our calls and help out any way you could. In fact, my partner Tafa got a speaking engagement uh, through your connections with the NFL. You were always, always gracious. And, and by the way, never asking for anything in return, which was always amazing. I think there's, what's wonderful about this industry, there are, I think, more than a handful, which is wonderful, of folks like you that for the young entrepreneur that is just starting their brand. You guys have, you and, and some other folks are just incredible ambassadors to the franchise industry. Well, I appreciate you saying that. It's always been my mantra to pay back by paying forward. And I've got a host of people to pay back to who were really kind to me in my early days. And so it's an endless thing for me. I'll never run out of time or desire to pay it forward. So I appreciate I you saying that. It. And that's, that's kind of you to share. Marcus, a trick question before we jump into the standard interview. One okay. thing. 1,821. Do you know what that number represents? I have no idea what that number represents. No. That's the number of first tier LinkedIn connections that you and I share. Wow. No way. (laughs) That's a big number. That is a huge number. Whoa. (laughs) That number is why you're here today. It proves that you're somebody in franchise because the only people that I accept in LinkedIn when I get hit for invitations are people that either have diversity, franchising, or chicken wings someplace in their profile. So you're way <laughs> up there, Marcus. Oh, thanks. That's great. Wow. That's, that's a big number. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to start today the way we start every week. And that's with the understanding that franchising being an unintentional way of doing business, we don't find it, it finds us. And my audience is curious to know, when did that happen for you? Mine, it goes back to an immigrant story. I um, I moved here from Brazil in 1991. My dad is Brazilian, my mom's Brazilian, and my dad loves this country. He always wanted to come to the United States. And so we moved here and he sold everything. I think about this idea of my father selling everything in Brazil and coming to the United States with just the promise of being able to get citizenship. And there was a friend of ours, Steve Crane, who was just amazing, who helped our family come to the United States, helped my dad with getting his green card. And my dad was at a franchise show. This must have been 90, probably 90, man, maybe 92. And he sees Blimpies at the franchise show. And my father becomes a franchisee of Blimpies. He buys an existing location in Provo, Utah. So we moved to Provo, Utah, and we start running a Blimpies franchise. And I was 15, 16 years old. And so it was my mom and dad, myself and my three brothers running this Blimpy franchise. This is 90, gosh, 92, I think, because we arrived in 91. So it's either 92 or 93. How amazing was this? Marcus, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that you were affiliated with the company that I was the VP of global development for just a few short years later. No way. I didn't know that either. (laughs) What I love about franchising, Marcus, 0.3 degrees of separation, whether we know it or not. Yeah, exactly right. And it was, it was a, it was a, it was a wonderful and horrible experience all at the same time. It was the first time that I witnessed, and I don't know, 
when I really conceptualized this, but it was the first time that I witnessed the wrong entrepreneur with a good brand. My dad was not the right person to run a restaurant, right? Not not in the way that he had to run it operating every day. For example, my dad is a professor today, right? And he's much happier being a professor at a university than he was as a, a franchise owner of Blimpies. And yet the other franchisee of Blimpies who was just down the road from us uh, in Provo, he was in downtown Provo, we were in South Provo, had been there for 15 years, was super excited, loved the brand, loved what he was doing, was doing very well. And so, you know, same brand, yet wrong entrepreneur. So it was uh, very interesting to see that. And, and I love franchising, as you know. It was the first time that I saw that if you get that wrong, uh, it can be a bad match. So walk us up from there to your brand new immigrant. Your dad becomes a franchisee. Carry us forward from there to how you got engaged directly in the business of franchising. Yeah. So from there, it was a winding road because I really didn't get into franchising then again until about 2008. And in 2008, I was a mortgage broker in Vegas. I, it was ground zero, right, of the mortgage meltdown in 2008. I remember being on the phone with Bear Stearns. We had lots of, we had, we had about 40 loan officers. We were a good brokerage. And I'm um, on the phone with Bear Stearns. And they're like, hey, your loans are on hold. And I was like, well, like which loan? Like, what do you mean? And he goes, no, all the loans are on hold. I said, well, they can't all have underwriting problems. Because <laughs> I, I had no idea that, the, it, what's funny about the mortgage debacle is that none of us in the lower tier of what, the, the folks who are slinging loans, we had no clue there was a problem. And so it hit me fast, it hit me hard, and I filed bankruptcy in around 2008 lost everything because we had mortgage offices and we had loan officers that would rent uh, space from us. And and so I was totally bankrupt, moved out of Vegas, came to Southern California, I was living with my in-laws. And it, thankfully, it was just my wife and I. I didn't have kids at the time, but it's such a huge lesson. And I ended up doing some consulting with my brother-in-law, Jared Turner, who had been one of the founders of Play and Trade Video Games. And from that consulting, I ended up joining Play and Trade Video Games. And then we built Play and Trade Video Games for several years. And then that brand was another a great example of of a lot of entrepreneurs in the wrong space. And also we got clobbered by GameStop, you know, the 800 pound gorilla in the industry. It was really hard to compete against them. So that was my return to franchising. It was absolutely accidental. It just so happened that my brother-in-law was in this franchise that was growing super rapidly. And so I got back in. And how did you learn what you needed to learn about the franchise business model and what kinds of jobs were you doing at Play and Trade and wherever you went from there? Yeah, so I, there was one time a, a franchisee said, Marcus, you've had more roles than Thanksgiving dinner because I was trying to figure out where was I in that space. So before getting into franchising with the mortgage industry, it was banking, finance, and loans, hiring people and things like that. But I think I've always naturally had a sort of an, a love and, and I guess a little bit of empathy for marketing and sales. I love branding. I love reaching an audience. And so slowly but surely, I started to get into on the side of franchise development. And, and I witnessed actually a brand in those days that really really was at the height of its growth, right? It was, there were months where playing trade video games would sell 30 or, or 40 franchises, right? In a month. And it was just amazing. And these are good people that were selling the brand to entrepreneurs that were excited about the gaming industry, but it was also people that probably had no business being in the video game retail space. But I don't think I knew that then. You, as a franchisor, I think you start to sell, your brand gets notoriety, more entrepreneurs come, and you feel like your model, your system, 
system is going to be all they need to become successful. That anybody from any walk of life can come and take your system and be successful. I don't believe that anymore. I think that it's a dangerous thought, I think, from a franchisor to believe that their system is that good. I think I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think your dad, even before you knew that you'd get into franchising, exemplified that, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And and you look at, you know, my dad, who was a, an amazing risk taker. This is a guy who in his 30s sells everything, leaves the country, goes to a new country. Kids are teenagers. I mean, this was a major, major shift in his life. But it's not just about being a risk taker. There's a certain profile for every business. And it's not just if you're a good entrepreneur, you'll do well with any business. I don't believe that, at least my two cents. I think it's a very specific profile that fits each and every one of these systems. But the magic is, that's what I love about franchising, the magic is when that profile is a match where system is great and proven, franchisee is perfectly aligned with their, not just money, but their backgrounds, their ambitions, their talents, and they can connect, then it's just beautiful, right? Because you get wonderful revenues and you get a, a great story. Once again, complete agreement. So walk us through playing trade to the current day at Amada and how that all transitioned and happened. And you're not just selling for Amada. You're not just the chief development officer. Well, it probably call myself a co-owner because really the founders of playing trade video games were, were these two guys, uh, Tapa Jefferson and Chad Fotheringham. These two guys started the business in 2007 here in Orange County, California. They did amazing. And, and they actually built Amada Senior Care as a single operation here in Orange County from 2007 to 2012. Where it wasn't a franchise whatsoever, but they built a huge business. And if you remember, they did that during the Great Recession we just talked about, right? Where right. where we had the biggest downturn in the economy, and yet they grew like crazy. And so they were approached by a friend that said, I want to open an Amada Senior Care here in Washington. And Stan, as you know, the quintessential franchise story, right? Successful business, a friend or family member or customer walks in and says, this is really cool. Do you sell franchises? And most right. of these folks say, no, we don't. Right. Which is what Chad and Tafa actually told Robert, this guy that wanted to acquire the franchise. Like, no, we don't franchise. Sorry. And in fact, uh, uh, Chad tells a story that he actually helped Robert vet out visiting angels right at home and all these other franchises. Cause that's what Robert was going to do because Amada was in the franchise. But then Robert, as he looked at all the other franchises, he didn't find what he was looking for. And he said, I really want to open an Amada. And so my wonderful brother, brother-in-law, Jared Turner, who actually pulled me into play and trade, came to me and said, hey, these guys at Amada are thinking about franchising. This could be a wonderful opportunity. Let's come, let's come take a look at it. And so I was actually pulled in, again, just by the connections that I had. And even though I had seen a franchise that had grown and imploded because it was a lot of the wrong entrepreneurs that had acquired the business, and I sort of had a, a sour taste of, man, is it, should I really stay in franchising? What I saw in this new business with Amada senior care with these two founders that believed in the model were wonderful men to follow, like just guys that were amazing entrepreneurs who had built something incredible, who were doing a lot of good in Orange County, taking care of seniors, providing a lot of jobs. And so it was hard not to get involved. It was hard to, to not get excited about the prospect of growing this brand throughout the country. I and mean, that was 2012. Robert signed the first franchise agreement in March of 2012. And we've grown to about 120 locations since then. What is it that you can tell us about a that makes it stand out from the consumer perspective, from the consumer side of the business, because 
I think many of us believe that there is such a saturation, so many brands in the senior care space that each of you has to have some type of differentiation about it. Yeah. What, would it what would Amadas be? Yeah, it's a great question. So there's a report last year that said that there's 250,000 providers of home care in the United States. It is absolutely very much like we said. It, it is saturated. However, what's not saturated, we believe, is the advocacy part of home care. So when a family is told you need a caregiver, it is usually a surprise. It's not like the family's been thinking, well, you know, mom's going to need a caregiver. It's today mom has the event and they're told you need a caregiver. And the family has no idea what does it even mean to get a caregiver? Who pays for it? Does the government pay for it? Do we pay for it? The dad, dad's a veteran. Does the, the VA pay for it? And so you're thrust into this chaos. And so I think while a lot of brands focus on we are the most loving or we are the most compassionate, or we are the biggest. The truth is, is we all share caregivers. And the case is, is that my caregiver is going to wear a modest scrubs today, and tomorrow may very well be wearing right at home scrubs. Like we all, we have the same caregivers. There's no difference. We all do the same background check. There's no difference. So what we decided is, what we really wanted to differentiate is helping the family figure out how to afford this very expensive, last minute, you're not planning on it, huge expense. So, you know, caregiving gives me as much as $10,000 a month. So we specialize in helping the family access their VA benefits, if it's under workers' comp, you're able to get the, get the workers' comp money. Or if it's long-term care insurance, which is a, a wonderful plan that families can get to be able to pay for home care, we're there to advocate. So we're more of a, of a managed care solution for the families where we make sure they get their money. And I think that's the biggest differentiation. The second, if I may, is the franchise partner. 85% of our franchise partners were former medical device and pharmaceutical folks. Wonderful, amazing folks that were in corporate America, working in hospitals, working in healthcare, selling into healthcare. And we've been able to tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, you already understand healthcare. You are already amazing at what you do. Why not look into going to business for yourself in the industry you're already in? And that tactic, I think, is one of our biggest by far differentiators. By our third year in business, our franchise partners, as of the recording today, and our franchise closure docs are averaging 1.2 million in gross billing by their third year in business. That speaks volumes all by itself. It's amazing. But I, and, and I know that we have good training. I know their systems are good. I know the differentiation is good. But I do really believe that the biggest reason there is what we talked about in the very beginning. It's the right entrepreneur, like seriously, down to the core, the right entrepreneur with a good brand. And that's where I think the, the, the magic can happen. So we're, we're super, super fortunate that the amazing healthcare sales folks and executives have come over and joined our franchise. Well, you've brought us to a great place to take a quick break. And you've given me a great segue into the next part of the conversation we're talking with Marcus Mora, Chief Development Officer of Amada Senior Care. We'll be right back. Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors. This portion of Franchise Today is brought to you by Zoracle, providers of spot-on profiles, the gold standard of assessment tools that assure you're selecting the right franchisees every time. Unlike DISC or others that simply gauge personality or communication styles, Zoracle's spot-on assessments are all franchise-specific and based upon seven sciences that nail the results each and every time. Your prospects simply answer a few questions online, and like magic, Zoracle's algorithms scientifically slice, dice, and analyze their thresholds for risk, their business acumen, and even their propensity for single or multi-unit ownership. Zoracle's spot-on analysis 
is like having a crystal ball. But there's no hoodoo here. It's all based upon science that flawlessly determines franchisee, franchisor compatibility, and accurately predicts performance. Why don't you schedule a demo today and take a complimentary look and see for yourself. It's the closest thing to a sure thing. Zoracle, spot on assessments, based on science, but delivering results that seem simply magical. Check them out at www.zoracleprofiles.com. And we're continuing our conversation with Marcus Mora, Chief Development Officer for Amada Senior Care. And somebody, again, Marcus, as I've said many times on this broadcast and, and many times in the past, you're somebody that I've always viewed as a thought leader in terms of franchise development, marketing, lead generation, using digital tools, creating content. You were way, way out in front of this. There were guys like you, Jimmy Weeks is another that I think of that had yeah. vision for how to do things that others weren't yet aware of. So where'd that come from for you? Well, by the way, part of it came from, we just heard a spot for Rebecca Monet and for Spot On and Zoracle. I think Amada would not have found its niche with its entrepreneurs without Rebecca and without Spot On. We used it to build a lot of our units. And I can't imagine being in franchising without using her product and her expertise uh, because it really is about finding the right entrepreneur. So some of it was selfish, actually. When we were bringing in the very first year of Amada in 2012, when we started franchising, I was doing normal franchise development right shows and portals and brokers wanted nothing to do with us because we were we were too small and as we were bringing the candidates in especially Tafa Jefferson one of the founders that actually built the first location here in Amada Senior Care he built the business from his mom's garage right he really is the guy that that had the idea that built Amada from the ground up he would look at these entrepreneurs and he'd say no not who we're looking for and all of a sudden they're going Tafa what are you talking about this guy is a middle management middle manager at IBM, he's got lots of money. His uncle has got lots of money and they're going to invest in the business. That was actually a, an actual person. It was this middle management from IBM. He went to Discovery Day and I was so excited. I was like, this is going to be our fourth franchisee, right? We had like three. I was like, this is the guy. This is so great. And we bring him in and Topic goes, nope, not the right guy. I was like, what are you talking about? And I said, you know, we're, we're looking for, he always say, we're looking for Navy SEALs, not baby SEALs. And I thought, well, this is franchising. You are going to have to reduce your quality control here, buddy. Like franchising, basically you throw a wide net, you get as many people to inquire as possible. And I remember thinking this, and then you award it to the best of the worst. Like whoever comes in, you don't have control over that. And so many people in the industry, when you're coming up in this industry, they teach you that. They teach you, you don't have control over who inquires about your brand. Think about that. Like you don't have control over inquires about your brand. So we were at this intersection of, well, I'm only going to be able to bring exactly the right people. And the industry tells me that I can't do that. And so what we started to do is we started to say, well, let's take a chance here. What if we could find the absolute right person? And the absolute right person was a guy like Robert Christensen, a guy who was already doing healthcare sales, a guy that had spent 30 years in corporate America. So they already had a built up 401k a lot of experience. The kids were now a little more grown, right? So they could, they were ready to take a risk. They already had the emotional intelligence to deal with physicians and nurses and families. And so when we determined that, there was this like white knuckle moment of all of us looking at each other going, do we put all our eggs in this one basket? Do we stop all the other ways of looking for franchise prospects? And do we go just to our ideal and go for broke basically? And that's what it took, right? Is from Tafa Jefferson, who started the company all the way to the folks who were answering the phone when somebody would call and ask about a franchise, 
We all bought into this idea that we were there to empower a very specific type of entrepreneur. So, and what I started talking about the selfish part of this is we also wanted to award franchises to people we would want to hang out with. This was actually important to us. It wasn't about just taking their money. What if we could actually hang out with guys like Robert, our first franchisee? What if at our annual conference five years from now, we have 50 entrepreneurs who are all awesome people that have the same values that we do, that want to raise their children the way we want to raise our children, who, quite frankly, I love this country and all the all these things that we believed in that we all knew, we wanted the same thing for our franchisees. And so all of that put together created this environment that allowed us to do what we did in Amada. And Stan, I don't know how much of this was premeditated as much as it was just this perfect in, environment that we were in to create what I just described. I don't I don't know how much of this was genius or like, let's do this. It just happened. And I'm glad it did. So you've kind of identified Zoracle and spot on profiles as one facet that you lean on to help you make determinations on candidates that are applying. Where do you go to reach out? What are some of the tools proactively that enable you to try to fish in the right pond that you can share with an audience that may not have figured that out yet? Yeah, so social media has been incredible for us because in social media, we're able to identify people that we're looking for, right? So there's a great brand that's coming up right now that I think is just one of the most fantastic brands that I think in the next 10 years is going to become a household name, which is Cinch IT. And they do desktop support for companies, and which is which is a business that's been around forever. But And I love their differentiation strategy, what they do. But the point is, Richard, who's the founder of Cinch IT, he came to me and he said, I am looking for a very specific entrepreneur. I'm looking for somebody who was a commercial banker. And I was like, wow, commercial banker. Why would you want a commercial banker for a desktop support. And he said, think about it. Commercial bankers spend their day going after small to medium businesses to get them money. And so they already have connection with small to medium businesses. All I'm asking to do now is I want to switch them and get them into their own business, get them out of the Bank of America's and the Wells Fargo's and companies like that and offer them their own business where they're still going after small businesses. And I thought, that's so cool. That's amazing. So if you think about that, if you think about Cinch AT and what he's looking for, and if that's the case that you want to find folks who are commercial bankers, well, where are you going to go? Well, you're, you're going to go to anywhere a commercial banker lives and anywhere that they have identified themselves as a commercial banker. And so that is not at a franchise show. It's probably not through brokers. It's on LinkedIn and it could be on Facebook or it could also be on banking groups on Facebook, right? The folks that are involved in, in these banking discussions. And so we uh, rely heavily on LinkedIn and also on Facebook, but I try Try also to tell brands that you don't get off this podcast and go spend five grand a month on LinkedIn. What you spend is you spend the next month doing what Richard from Sinchit did, which is who really do I want to go after? And whatever that answer is, if you really, really identify who that is, where they are becomes easy, right? I don't care if it's you want to go after folks who are in nursing or folks who are financial planners or folks who are CPAs or middle managers of IBM and technology or females who are in fitness over the age of 40. Once you do that, then finding them is actually pretty easy, I believe. And then what about the messaging aspect? How do you counsel on hitting them with a message that's going to resonate in a fashion that's going to cause them to want to have a conversation? Yeah, good question. So I think it's also interesting that if you do this type of work, and let's take Richard from Cinch IT, for example, if you take Richard and he wants to go after somebody who was a commercial banker at Wells Fargo, then sometimes what we do is we go, I got my ideal audience 
I'm going to go after them. And I build an ad and I sit there and I build the ad. And, and what we do is we go back to talking about ourselves. We go, well, I'm going to tell them that Century IT is amazing. I'm also going to tell them that the desktop support industry is the $10 billion industry a month. And I'm going to tell them that Entrepreneur Magazine thinks that we're amazing. Like we want to talk about ourselves. But the truth is, is that that commercial banker could give a crap about all of your accolades and how big your industry is and how amazing Entrepreneur Magazine says you are. They don't care. All they care about is that right now they work for a Wells Fargo, they work for Bank of America, and for that right person, they've always dreamed of doing something more with their lives. And there's some pain point there that has kept them from doing that. So what we started doing is we started to say, what are those pain points? And let's write content and ads and make videos that speaks to the pain point of the whatever, commercial banker or whoever they are. And so Richard and I were talking about this and that's something that, that he started doing, right? He started to put out content that says, what could life after Wells Fargo look like? Click here. What? Right? So if I work at Wells Fargo and I see something like that, you know, that punches me in the face so hard that I can't help but click on it as opposed to Senchite is rad. You know, like, who, I don't even know what that is. So the idea of us communicating and having a conversation with our ideal audience is really fun, right? It becomes this dance that you do with the audience to be able to get them to respond to you. And I think that's way more fun than, my opinion, advertising on a portal where you just vomit all over a website, everything that's wonderful about you when you're not taking into consideration your audience. You're reminding me just two weeks ago, great interview with a guest that was now on the speaking circuit, but Scott reminded us that he was once an edible arrangements franchisee when he was still in corporate America. And he's sitting on a plane and sees in one of the in-flight magazines, a picture of a guy in the pool with his four kids saying, I used to be you and look at me now. That same yeah. lifestyle punch in the gut, right? It's, it's that punch in the gut. You know, and those are the people that want to make a change. And for those that you write that content and they go, no, I'm happy where I'm at. Great. You know, that's, that's wonderful. You know, a, a corporate America life isn't terrible. You know, being an executive for a company and making salary and all that, there's no judgment. That's not bad. But when you're able to find those folks that want to make a change and it's the right folks, your messaging becomes really fun. It's also a lot easier for your company because you talk about efficiency. This isn't just a nice thing. It also goes down to dollars and cents. It's really hard for your sales and marketing team to write content to a nebulous audience. It takes longer to make the videos. It takes longer to write the hooks and the, the taglines. And it's harder to find your audience. When you narrow down your audience, the content writes itself. Like we just talked about, if I want to find somebody who works at Wells Fargo, I can say life after Wells Fargo or layoffs at Wells Fargo or is lending regulations getting to you? Because it's so much easier for you to write when you know who you're writing for, which I think is such a dumb to say that, but it's so true. And yet we don't really do that in our companies. We do that for the B2C when we're selling a sandwich or home care or desktop support, we write to the pain points of our consumer. But for some weird reason, when we're selling franchises, we like go dumb and we stop writing to an audience, which is really strange. So I think you bring happiness to your company when you define an audience. Well, that's great advice. If I were to ask you if there's anything on your mind, Marcus, that you wish I'd have asked you and didn't, what would you come back to me and say? Well, that's a tough question. I don't know. I don't think I don't think there's anything. You've been so gracious. This has been wonderful. I, I'm just so happy that we get to do this in 2020, this ridiculously crazy year. I know there's so many people where this year has been awful. Thank whatever God you want to thank. We've, we've, had, we've had a phenomenal year. Um, it hasn't been without struggles or problems, but 
we've been spared and very, very lucky. And so just the fact that you and I are talking, Stan, is just life affirming, you know, I'm just so thankful for it. Well, I feel the same way. And I truthfully believe that while I would be crazy to argue that this has been one insane, different kind of year than any in recent memory, the truth is we say that many, many times because each time we get whacked with something that is as different as anything that ever came before it, we kind of lose the memory of how many times before we've been confronted with things that <laughs> right. seem yeah. like we'd never get over them. And franchising has become for many, even in these tumultuous times, the answer to a problem that wasn't presenting itself until this crisis. And it's a way for people to get a new start that they hadn't contemplated. So it's not all bad, is it? It's not all bad. You know, I'm also reminded about an exchange you and I had that I think is wonderful. You talked about how thankful you are for your parents, for everything they did for you. We were talking about that earlier. I'm thinking about a lot about, you know, being an immigrant. My parents sacrificed so much for me and my brothers and did so much for us. And, and they were both there. They're still together today. If there is a privilege in this country that, that I've been able to, to have, it's my parents, that, that they were just so amazing and so incredible. I'm so thankful that they brought me to this country and gave me the, the opportunity that I've, that I've Well, had. you're very fortunate that they're still with you and that you can let them hear you talk about them the way you've just done on this podcast. And I hope you'll make certain that they do. For the benefit of those in the audience that want to carry this conversation further than our time allows here today, Marcus, how do people get hold of you? Oh, reach out to me on LinkedIn. It's where I spend a lot of time. So anybody's welcome to reach out to me on LinkedIn and connect. That's probably the best way. Terrific, Marcus. And I wish we had another 30, 40 minutes or an hour or two. I don't think we'd run out of things to talk about. Marcus Mora, Chief Development Officer of Amada Senior Care. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Stan. I appreciate it. Wow, where'd the time go? That was one of the fastest half hours I can remember. Well, before you know it, I'll be back here again with another award-winning guest next week when Wingstop's Madison Job joins me right here on Franchise Today. Until then, keep your distance, masks on, and stay clear of what looks to be a third surge of the novel coronavirus heading our way. You know the drill. Keep doing the best you can. And for now, I'm Stan Friedman, wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising. And Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.